Hello everyone, my name is Elena and I'm a junior in high school. Welcome to my podcast, The Other Side. Our country is more divided than it ever has been. Everything is polarized. With climate change and vaccines, not even the weather and your health is a safe topic anymore. I've had the privilege to be part of both political communities, a predominantly conservative family and a predominantly liberal school. Because of this, I see both sides and I also hear and see the hate given between the sides. This is why I've decided to interview people from different sides of the political divide to hopefully inspire you to take someone that makes you grit your teeth out to lunch, to simply have a conversation, to start to come to an understanding of each other and have compassion for one another. As the Persian poet Rumi says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field, I'll meet you there. Well, I'm very excited to interview you and talk to you. Um, Start by telling me your name, your current job, and then just a bit about yourself. All right. Well, my name is Susie Raleigh, and I teach at Animus High School. Um, I teach Spanish and French. Um, I am the daughter of some educators, and I grew up in California, kind of central California. and I got very interested in foreign languages as a young person because my mother was a big traveler. So we traveled a lot. Um, and we, you know, I went to Europe, I think when I was 12, that was the first time that I went there and I got very intrigued. My parents do not speak other languages, but, um, I kind of started going down that path in high school. And I think that is what has given me kind of a worldview, um, that is, I would say fairly tolerant and is definitely interested in, I guess I've never seen the United States as being kind of the center of things. And I think that just comes from having been to lots of places and sort of seeing and hearing many perspectives. That's really cool. Um, So my next question is, is what political party do you typically identify with? I am a Democrat. Yes. And um, yeah, and I think I'm pretty, pretty okay with being a Democrat. I mean, there's obviously things about our two party system that I find are kind of a bummer, because I think sometimes it's hard to just have two opinions to represent what I think are a plethora of, of opinions. So sometimes I look at things in other countries where they have like the Green Party and the, you know, they just have all a lot more variety and then they form coalition governments. And I always wondered if that would be um, a better system for the United States, because we're so big and so diverse. But that doesn't seem like it's gonna happen anytime soon. So, yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah, well, and I do think that's why a lot of people have Um, been independent, because I think they feel like they don't wanna be categorized as one thing. Or, or, you know, as, you know, just being left or something. They kind of want to have the option of being like a little bit right on some things and a little bit left on others. And so it's an interesting time. For sure. Um, Where do you think your political beliefs stem from? Um, Well, you know, certainly my parents who um, were actually Republicans, I think they probably voted for Ronald Reagan. Um, 
and maybe started to get a little bit disillusioned under Nixon. And then I think after that, it was pretty much Democrat all the way. Although I think my father's still a Republican registered because he likes to hear the other side and get stuff in the mail. Not because he's interested in it. He's pretty much adamantly against it, but um, because he's a public school educator. And I think basically my family and, you know, and I agree with my folks think that we can do things as a group more easily than we can do them individually. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean I don't believe in working individually. I don't think, you know, everything should be free and all that. I, I definitely think there should be room for people who really strive and work hard to do well. And if you're kind of lazy and don't want to do anything, then I don't think that you should get a free ride either. But, um, but I just think that we can communally do more things than we can just like, I don't care about my neighbor. It's like, no, I actually do care about my neighbor. I think all kids should get educated. I think we should not have to like, you know, lose our home if we need healthcare. Um, those kinds of things make me crazy actually, that we cannot cooperate on that stuff. I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where I'm from. I'm, I'm, I guess you could say I'm kind of socialist, which has such a bad rap. But I think that's ridiculous. It's like we already have so many socialist things like the fire department is socialism. The police department is socialism. Public schools are socialism. We do socialism already. And I think we do it well. That doesn't mean that we don't have inefficiencies and problems. And But, you know, if, if like we eliminate all the socialist things we have, then what? I'm going to like be my own. I have to protect myself from, you know, bad guys or whatever. It's like, no, I have to protect my own home from fires. Like, how do I do that? You know, I have to educate my own children. It's like, well, actually, I don't know math well. I want someone else to take care of the math part. Anyway, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what, what you know, I think it's frustrating, big government, because it can be inefficient. But, you know, then I see like Animus High School, like we're small and, you know, we can react pretty quickly and we know each other well. And that's like, okay, this is when a bureaucracy works, when it's like can react quickly. So I think, you know, there's, a, I also believe a lot in community-based problem solving. But still that's community-based, right? Like it's still a group of people who want every the whole ship to rise you know i want everybody to have better lives and i also feel a little bit frustrated with distribution of wealth i think that the fact that some people get extremely wealthy just doesn't seem right to me that it's like you could pay more taxes so that you can support some of the programs that help everybody improve their lives and you'd still be plenty rich, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's gotten, um, when you just read the percentages, it's like something is wrong when, you know, 1% of the population owns, you know, whatever, 50% of the wealth. I don't know what the figure is right now, but it's something that's like, we can, we can play with that with monetary policy at a federal level by, it's not punishing people who work hard. I think it's just, I don't know how to explain it because it always, you know, I think rich people are like, I worked for that. It's like, well, yeah, but 
at a certain point, it's just, there's no reason for anybody to be that wealthy when people at the bottom are getting paid seven twenty-five an hour. Anyway. Thank you for sharing that. Um, is there a time in your life you can look back on like a specific story or something and don't feel pressured if you can't, um, that may have shaped that, like something that happened in your world travels or something, like your thoughts on those things? Well, I mean, I've probably spent the most time in France and, you know, France is more of a socialist system than us and I think what struck me was the healthcare system, um, where I think you know in France they don't think twice about going to see the doctor, and because it just isn't something that is outrageously expensive. And I think you know we here are. I mean, people are very nervous when they have to go to the doctor if they don't have good insurance. And I would say most of us don't have very good insurance. I mean, it's pretty much you know, I pay a lot of money for insurance that I'm still going to have to pay the first $7,000, you know, if I had something really serious happen. And, you know, for a lot of people, they don't have $7,000 just sitting around. Um, so that, that struck me that it's like, and also, I mean, I have had a couple of things where, you know, I got a bill from a hospital because I spent the night, I had an emergency little surgery one time and, the bill came when it was $10,000 to spend the night in the hospital. That did not include the surgery. That did not include anything else. It was just spending the night in the hospital. I fortunately had insurance that, pay, you know, after I paid my deductible, but uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I just, it's like, and I don't think it's working very well for hospitals either. They have to scrounge around and pay people all kinds of money just to trade, you know, track down the insurance companies and then the insurance companies say no. And, just it's crazy like it's so inefficient and uh and in france it's really efficient you know there's one one place you go through which is you know it's a government run operation like a public school and uh, everybody works with that person everybody knows exactly how much something costs in the whole country and uh you know if you get cancer or something like that you're not spending all your time on the insurance on the phone calling insurance companies hoping they'll pay stacks of papers from all over the place and versus just taking care of yourself anyway so that's one example of of and i mean i probably education and health insurance are the two things that i feel like oh yeah climate change that's another thing we need to cooperate on and we need a bigger effort than like me recycling that's not enough like we have to all be doing something and only a large organization like the government can can organize it so that this is what we're all doing. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be super hard. I, I, you know, and also there's half the country that's like, nope, it's socialism. So we can't do it. It's like, well, let's discuss what that means. I, this, this is also another problem. It's like that people want to label everything as evil. And it's like, well, can we just listen to what we're talking about? Could it possibly make your life better? And like, everybody including your neighbors yeah so it's a battle of words right now and i think if people saw like oh my life is better having a large middle class is a good thing then rather than a lot of rich people and a lot of poor people and nobody in the middle that's not a good thing 
anyway, I jumped sort of to different, <laughs> a couple different places there. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was great. You're like answering my questions for me. I'm just like crossing out questions. You're hitting all of it. Okay, Susan. good. Great. Well, I'm trying to define it for myself too. So thank you for giving me this opportunity because they're big problems, you know? Yeah. My son was just reminding me about climate change, which of course I have not forgotten about as we sit in 50 degrees in, you know, December 1st. And and uh, it's worrisome because it's like, are we going to get snow this year? Am I going to be able to live here in 20 years? Are we still going to have water running down the river? Yeah. Anyway. Thanks, mom. I got you. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my mom was just passing me a little note there. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry to interrupt. It's all right. Um, so a lot of what I'm hearing from you is a lot of Kaylee. Sorry, dog. Um, is a lot of community-based values. Um, am I mistaken there? Um, yes, I would think that my value system is and i think i'm a pretty moral person and i but i don't feel like my moral code necessarily comes from the bible or from god um i did go to church when i was growing up the presbyterian church and i remember when i was about 10 or 11 my father was the choir director there for 25 years and um he well by the time he finished it had been 25 years volunteer the whole time every wednesday rehearsal every sunday singing he did get some breaks. But anyway, so we were not a particularly religious family, but, you know, we we had that community. And uh, But there were some things that went on in that church that did not make me feel like this is a very Christian place. Like they, they, the old reverend that we had finally retired, and then they got a new guy, and he was from Hollywood, and his wife sold real estate, and they did a big upgrade of the church and this huge cathedral thing. Uh, building that put the place into debt for 30 years. And, you know, they were just very showy people that to me was like, huh, is this what religion is about? This doesn't seem like, like it. And I remember coming home from Sunday school when I was 11 or whatever. And uh, we were having a drought in California at that time again. And, uh, and I told my dad that my Sunday school teacher had told me that we were being punished, you know, because of our sins. And that's why we were having a drought. And my father, like almost drove off the road. He's like, that's ridiculous. Like this, it is not our fault that by, you know, our bad habits or something that we are having a drought, like that has nothing to do with that is. Yeah. Anyway. So after that, I didn't have to go to Sunday school. Cause it was like, no, these are not, this is, that's not what we believe in. And, and, you know, since then, I think I just have probably a fairly worldly take on like, you know, stuff happens in the world, and and I just don't think that it's under the control of some some greater, you know, being. Because otherwise, that person would have uh, something to answer to. Because there's a lot of terrible things that are happening in the world, and you're like, hmm, this is a benevolent being. Then seems like you know he should organize himself a little better. See, I make him a he, which has nothing to do with anything either. Um, but. I think that, you know, which is frightening to think that it's like we're res actually responsible for things that happen in the world. So if we want to make change, then, you know, people collectively have to have to be thinking of the greater good. And that's where 
I think we have to organize ourselves. I'm not waiting for some, you know, great, great being to, to, to solve my problems or solve our problems. I think, you know, we, as a people, as a, as a race, the human race need to keep evolving. I mean, I think we've gotten better. There's too many of us, obviously we've been too successful compared to the natural world. I mean, we're, you know, kind of the natural world, I think is saying like, you know, a little out of balance here. And then, you know, and then you got to wonder, then you have a world pandemic. It's like, well, okay, that's kind of nature's way of like taking back a little space, you know, but obviously we're so smart, you know, we can develop vaccines. Like we keep defeating these things, which is good, you know, in my personal case, maybe not so good for the planet, but, um, but I guess I feel like, you know, the rest of the planet has as much right to be on the planet as we do. I don't feel any more, you know, special than animals. I mean, I'm obviously smarter um, because I live in this house. I don't have to like survive every day. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, my worth is more than all of the wild animals or, or the river that flows through my town, you know? So that's where I start feeling like, you know, climate change is another way that the earth is going like, okay, y'all, like there's too many of you, you create too much pollution, you, I'm, you know, I'm reacting, the earth is reacting and in a natural way, but it's going to be problematic for us, you know, with time, it's going to be harder for humans to survive. We can't just keep taking as much as we do and putting as much garbage out into the environment and into the air and keep surviving at the rate we're surviving. You know, we're thriving as a race, but I don't know that we will, you know, I'm, it's probably hundreds of years. So that's why I feel like we're noticing these things. I believe in science. And if, you know, like we have data, we, we could start doing something to prevent some of the worst effects. I hope we can. I mean, we might be too late. But certainly one of the things would be to not have as many children overall. I mean, as a human race, we just have to be less successful <laughs> or, or just not take up as much space. Maybe that's it. To leave space. So I think it's really important to, I mean, I try to support all those things that are preserving natural areas, you know, and stuff like that. That's like, we just don't want to infringe on every possible space on the planet, you know, like we've got to leave some stuff natural if we can. Well, it's really cool to hear um, your thoughts, Susie. I'm actually really enjoying this. Um, I'm going to kind of jump gears um, just because I don't want to take too much of your time up. And um, so the whole point of my project is to start to try to bridge the tension and division between both parties specifically, because I feel like there's just, and I mean, I don't feel like it, it there is just this big divide between um, citizens of the U.S. between whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to um, 
I'm so losing thoughts here. I'm sorry, Susie. That's okay. um, there's this initiative called Take the Other to Lunch. And so the idea is you find someone that makes you grit your teeth and steam come out of your ears and you take them out to lunch and you just have an open conversation back and forth. And you're not trying to change the other person's mind. You're just trying to come to an understanding of each other. Mm -hmm. And so I have two questions more geared towards that. And so you shared some of your life experience. You shared some of your um, values and things that you want to see changed. And so someone can hear you out. But now um, my next question is, what questions have you wanted to ask the other side? Like if you could sit down with a Republican, what questions would you want to ask them? Well, it's funny you should mention that because I think this just happened at Thanksgiving. We had, um, we invited one person who was kind of an orphan. She's just moved here from Vermont over for Thanksgiving and, um, and she's lovely. And, you know, she's a bicycle tour guide. She's, she speaks a couple languages. She's great. And, but at the last minute she said, Hey, can I bring this, this boy I've been hanging out with, you know? And I was like, uh, three households, not good, but whatever. What could I say? So she brought this um, boyfriend over too. And it turns out, you know, he, he had been uh, raised in Papua New Guinea um, by missionary parents. He's American, but he, uh, you know, he had had quite a bit of international experience, but, um, but quite a religious Seventh-day Adventist, um, you know, upbringing. Although I think he's, you know, not quite as religious as he was raised. Anyway, but we did kind of get into it and it was over Black Lives Matter and sort of his perception that that kid uh, who Kyle Rittenhouse, who who shot two people dead and uh, injured another guy sort of with his, you know, whatever semi-automatic weapon that he brought to to this protest to sort of protect or, you know, his his feeling was he was there to protect, you know, businesses or whatever. And uh, and. I think, you know, we perceived that as being like really not okay. First of all, taking other people's lives who were there to protest. And this this boyfriend was sort of defending him because he said, well, he was defending himself. You know, someone came at him with a with a gun and he just he, you know, he was defending himself. And and my feeling was like, well, you know, why why was why were you there? You know, young 17-year-old with a gun pointing it at people who were protesting, who maybe had been protesting peacefully, but then when they saw someone with a gun, maybe they were like, well, I'm being threatened. Anyway, the whole thing just, I could not understand how he could take the side of, of this kid who should have been home in his, in his living room. You know, there's no reason for him to have gone there. Um, I don't think. And, and, you know, and I was thinking, oh, this is my one chance because I do not hang out with people who don't pretty much come from my same, you know, value system, which I realize is problematic. Like I need to expand my, my circles and, and, and try to bridge this gap also. But I think when there's these fundamental differences of that, this is where I'm like, what would I ask? You know, if I went to lunch with this guy, how would we get over the fact that I feel like, you know, the black lives matter movement. I mean, Black people are, have been, you know, they're angry about how things have been going for them for about 400 years. And, and, I, and I feel the frustration and, you know, like I can't even imagine what it would be like, you know, to have to tell my young child, you know, 
hey, if you see a cop, you know, you have to do these certain things. And, or the idea of, you know, that somebody might say something mean to you because your skin is dark just in the supermarket parking lot. Like that just blows my mind that, you know, to, to live that every day, to feel that, you know, someone doesn't like you because of your skin color. You know, I've never, I've never felt that, you know, myself. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, when people kind of don't understand that, yeah, there's a real anger there. And, and there's a lot of unfairness that has gone down in our history. I mean, even how we came to this country, you know, this is Domi's talking about this a lot right now too, you know, that we basically, I mean, my people invaded this land and, and, you know, basically occupied it. I mean, if this happened 20 years ago, we would still be mad about it. I mean, admittedly this happened 400 years ago. So it's kind of like, well, you know, we're here now, honey. We, we can't go back to Switzerland. <laughs> you know, we, they would kick us out in three months. We can't get a visa, you know. I, I, I can't go back to my 400-year-ago roots 200 years ago probably. Well, 150 maybe. Um, anyway, I digress. But, I mean, there's a there's – a, I think I would talk about history. That's what I think I would talk about because I think we have to acknowledge it. And I talked to Domi about this too. It's like, we can't move back to Switzerland. We can't go back and like give all the lands back to Native American people. That's not gonna happen. So what are we gonna do? But I think the first step is we have to acknowledge why this country is so multicultural and then talk about like, is it really multicultural? Is it evenly multicultural? And how do we make it more so we're all the same? the same, the same, perceived the same. I mean, which would be a miracle. We'd be the only country in the world that had many races that equally had the right to be here and treated each other as if we really were all the same. This is why I do not have a problem at all with like, um, uh, what's it called? Um, where they let, you know, kids who maybe have lower scores or from worse school districts, kids of color into, into colleges over maybe more qualified white students. I do, uh, affirmative action, that's what it's called. Because, you know, I mean, for various reasons, but I do think that we, we need to diversify everything. To see Joe Biden putting lots of women in positions of power, lots of people of color, you know, running departments, it's like, yes, that's what we're talking about. That's what our country should look like like what we really look like, which is all colors and, and, and women taking positions of, of power too. I mean, that's, that's another thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked with what I see happening in Washington right now. So yeah, I, th I guess, you know, sitting at the table with a Republican, I have another crazy side of the family. I try to picture sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner with them. <laughs> and, you know, we used to argue about the Vietnam War. You know, they were all for it and my mother was not. Um, so this has been going on, this other side of the family, my cousins and uncle. And, um, and yeah, we could talk about the family. <laughs> I think we could talk about politics. I mean, there's so many trigger words that will set him off. Like, if I say anything that seems to be remotely like talking about 
facts, he would say that's fake news. It's such an easy thing to go to. So I guess the challenge is to find something that doesn't set my the people that I know who are Republicans off into saying, well, that's just not true. That's your perception of it, but that's not true. It's very hard to overcome all these conspiracy theories and you know that, that Bill Gates is behind COVID is like, oh my God. <laughs> Never heard that one. Oh yeah, that's 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 kind of funny. Yeah. Right, because he was going to make a bunch of money. And I get it. People distrust so many things because they've seen it, you know, that there's actually somebody who really is wanting to, you know, maybe make the country better and more equal. I don't think people believe it. They're like, nope, they're out for themselves. They're just trying to make money. You know, at least I shouldn't say it. It feels to me like Donald Trump was really straightforward about that. He was like, I'm out to make money. And yeah, maybe because he was so straightforward about it. And everybody's like, see, an honest politician. Well, <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a great question. But I guess, yeah, I, I, I've always been pretty motivated by looking back at how we got to where we are now, you know, sort of the historical um, things that happened that, you know, put us to where we are today. And I think sometimes maybe you can figure out why one per person perceives now differently by how they perceive the past. That's a really interesting thought. Yeah. I like that. Well, and it, you know, it's interesting because I think I did that in Spanish class. You know, I often tried to bring up things in the past to, to kind of illustrate why things are the way they are now. And I feel like some kids would be a little bit like, oh, I don't like history or what does this have to do with Spanish? It's like, well, this, this explains why, I mean, why do they speak Spanish in all of South America and Mexico? That makes no sense. It's, it's a language from Europe. And, you know, how did all that happen? And was it fair? And, it, you know, on the other hand, to have one unifying language, maybe that's actually kind of a good thing so that you can communicate with everybody in a whole continent. It's sort of nice if you're trying to build consensus, you know? But, cool. Yeah. If you have any more thoughts, go ahead. No, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah, it is an art, I think, to talk to somebody completely from the other side because, you know, and I think one of many people are motivated by, for example, abortion or gay marriage. Those might be their two issues that will make them vote, you know, one way or the other. And, and those are things that I think because I'm obviously interested in the lives of young people. I am less interested in that everybody gets born no matter what. I think that if, if you're gonna say everybody gets born no matter what, then you also in the same breath must talk about how you're supporting you know, poor women and their 
children, with daycare, with higher wages for entry-level jobs, with all these other things that also add up to like not having a bunch more kids who we see. I mean, we see them at school, kids with really screwed up home lives because they their parents can't make it, you know, or whatever. I mean, they're just, it's super challenging. And, and uh, you know, access to prenatal care, access to birth control, access to, you know, so people can have families when they're ready easily. Um, yeah, so all the, the fact that those programs get defunded while, you know, abortion gets defunded also is like, well, wait, that's not going to work. You're going to have more babies. You got to have more more systems that help support these, you know, these now that no one has a choice. So, yeah, but I don't know how you have that discussion because, I mean, I get it when there's a lot, you know, these are lives. I'm not saying that a, a baby is not, is not a life. It is, it's a life, 100%. I would not be able to do it. But I just think that I can't make that choice for other people. Anyway, I got I went off on a tangent, but I'm just and you know anticipating <laughs> how I would how I would talk to someone about it who didn't agree with me, and uh, and you know and of course that person might be like, yes, I agree with you. We should support you know young poor women who don't have choices or who don't have you know who need to be able to raise this kid that they ended up maybe not wanting but having. Um, yeah, so. Well, you're bringing up really good points. And I agree, it is very hard to talk to someone who um, believes differently than you. And that's what I love. I watched this, um, the way I got my idea for my project was this TED Talk I watched. And I don't remember her name, I think it's Elizabeth something. And she originally started the idea of taking someone out to lunch and she had like rules and guidelines for it. And mm -hmm. it was about just, just talking and listening it's not about having to defend your answer or um get aggressive so you would have this conversation you wouldn't have to defend why you think that you just have to think it and if you want to talk about why that's good but it's not like you have to make that person be their why of why they're changing their opinion like it's mm -hmm. not about changing the opinion it's more about because it wouldn't work with a one-party system either like we're not trying to get everybody on the same page we're simply trying to lessen the hate in this world i suppose yeah i think that's a really if good that, way of looking if that at. makes sense yeah because i don't think yeah. project description time yeah i actually think that having you know the yin and yang of of beliefs is is really good i don't think that it's it just doesn't make sense, nor is it even realistic to have everybody all feel exactly the same way. And you know, those countries that have that have authoritarian governments, which, you know, I kind of felt was, was sort of what I was feeling from, from the Donald Trump administration was kind of this direction of like, don't believe anything the other side says, it's all fake. And it's like, that's, that's exactly what authoritarian governments say, that there's only one way to think. It's like, well, no, no, no. There, there are two ways to think. I think you just have to defend, you know, in some just way, the way that you think. But if it's unjust or just completely about maintaining power, maintaining your 
majority. That's wrong. Like that's not that's not why. Uh, this is why we have two parties, and you know we can. I think it's very important that one pushes against the other. You know, and that's why you end up sort of somewhere in the middle, which is probably the answer. Um, except for pressing problems like climate change. And that's that's always a worry. It's like, if if that's gonna always be a, like, oh no, it's too much work or it's too radical to do anything about it. It's like, ooh, we may regret that. Um, but, you know, the whole world's kind of in the same boat. You know, that's why, like the Paris Accord, which maybe isn't even nearly enough, but at least it's a step. And we're working as a, as a whole planet seems like a good thing. So the fact that we dropped out of that was very, very depressing to me. And I hope we get back into it because this is a world problem. It is not just our problem. We certainly contribute to it a lot, but um, yeah. No, I think I would like to look into that, what you say about that woman, Elizabeth, who I feel like I've heard of. I think I can look it up on, but it might be nice to have some guidance to say, okay, we know we're doing this forced thing together, you know, you and me. I'll yeah, thank you. I appreciate that because I, I, I think, yeah, kind of having an agenda that maybe someone else has thought out a little bit is a good idea. Yeah. And to think that you're not really there to change people's minds. You're there to understand where they're, where the other person's coming from. Um, although it would be nice to be functioning from the same set of facts. That's always tricky. Yeah. Like when someone says, you know, well, I don't think that climate change is happening. It's like, oh, well, then I don't yes. know where to start. <laughs> yeah. Ground. And it was about um, Republicans and Democrats um, basically playing four corners or a, a different version of it. And um, yeah. one guy brought up this point and he said, um, unfortunately, we're now all disagreeing on different set of facts. Yeah. So I think no, you that's bring kind up of a definitely a good point there. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, and you know, and that's where too, I think delving a little bit deeper instead of just taking at face value what Tucker Carlson said on Fox News or what, you know, the, the equivalent guy on, you know, CNN said to actually look at some of the data and actually, you know, I mean, we have all these people coming from these amazing university programs, you know, that that um, are analyzing real data. So, you know, I, I, as you know, you know, you're a smart person who, you know, does well in science and you like science, right? I mean, aren't you kind of more science oriented than language oriented? I, I kind of like everything, but I do like science, yes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, you know, like there are ways of sort of checking facts and assuming that the data is honest. And of course, data can be skewed sometimes in ways that you want it to be, depending on what you ask or, or where they got the data, you know, or how accurate the data is too. So, yeah. Anyway. Well... I hate to stop our conversation, but I do have an appointment to get at. So we are going to have to stop here. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Elena. I appreciate the opportunity and um, I'm looking forward to hearing your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking to me and just being honest. I 
it's really helpful to me to hear because um, I tend to lean conservative. So it's really helpful for me to see the liberal side. And I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying. So I'm excited for anybody in the future who is going to listen to this to get to hear yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah, I know. I want to I want to hear hear everybody. So, OK, well, it's great to talk to you. And hopefully I'll see you in January since I'm not going to see you in December. But uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to The Other Side. I hope you had fun listening. I know I had fun making this. Thank you, Elizabeth Lesser from TED Talks, for the inspiration. I trust that you have now gained compassion and understanding for the other side, and that you now see behind every political mask there is a human, a human with values, passions, and a soul. I hope that you now feel inspired to take someone from the other side out to lunch.